listening to the Nothing But Backboard Podcast with your host, Joey Jergo. What's crack-a-lackin'? Hello. Hi. Hey. Greetings. It's me, Joey Jergo. And I cannot believe I'm saying this, but welcome to the very first episode of the Nothing But Backboard Podcast right here on the YouTube channel. If you are watching this right now on YouTube, please hit that like button, share, and subscribe. Please let all your loved ones, your close friends know about this podcast. If you're listening to this on audio, you can find it here on Red Circle. That is redcircle.com forward slash nothing but backboard. That is R-E-D-C-I-R-C-L-E.com forward slash nothing but backboard. And there's also going to be a link via Spotify in the description down below. Now, on to the subject of the matter. What exactly is this podcast going to be about? Well, we're going to talk a lot about the NBA. As well, in future episodes, we're going to be talking about college hoops on both the men's and the women's side. And not only that, we'll be digging a little bit into the AAU circuit, as well as high school basketball, and even some Q&A about some general basketball questions. You guys get to pick my brain for a little bit, so hopefully I won't take your guys' time too much, because today... The very first episode, we're going to get into some juicy hot topics that have been trending over the last several days. At the time of recording, it's Sunday, February 21st. So, what we always will be doing at the beginning of each podcast is we're going to be digging in to the teams of the week and the players of the week in the NBA on both sides of the spectrum, whether it's the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference. And I will give you my reasons why I have elected the representatives for those awards. Now, I can't hand out any of those special awards like the NBA does, but I can do the best I can as a podcaster, right? So, looking at the team of the week, starting off in the Western Conference, it's the Utah Jazz. Now, Joey, we all know Utah lost the game this week against the Clippers on Friday, but we have to keep this in mind. Utah has won 20 of the last 21 games before that loss to the Clippers, and not only that, They were riding a nine-game winning streak, and they're sitting pretty on top, not only of the Western Conference, but the best record in all of the NBA at 24-6. and Now, here's the crazy part about it, guys. Here's one of my favorite stats. So, we can just look at the general stats about points per game, points allowed per game, and this is one of my favorite parts, and you guys will notice I will be digging into my notes a lot. So that's for any kids or any college students that are listening to this. Please, please, please take notes. They will save your life in any point during the present and in the future. Now, here's one of my favorite stats I like to point out when it comes to Utah. If we were to look at offensive ratings and defensive ratings, because of course we can look at points per game, but here's one of the critical stats that I want to point out to you about how dominant and how great Utah has been this year. When we look at the offensive rating, at number one is the Brooklyn Nets. We'll get to them in a little bit. Second, the Milwaukee Bucks. Then the Clippers at third. Utah at four. Denver right now sitting at number five in offensive ratings. Now, a lot of people are going to ask, why are we bringing up a team that's ranked fourth? Number four in offensive ratings. Why that's so important? Let's dive into the other side of the coin. When we look at the defensive ratings, number one is the Los Angeles Lakers. At number two is those same Utah Jazz. So how does that translate? Well, when you look at the overall net rating, Utah stands above and beyond 
at number one, followed by Milwaukee Bucks, who sits a little over two points behind the Utah Jazz in overall net rating. And that is one of my favorite stats that I like to look at, especially how successful the team has been. Have they been good on the offensive end as well as the defensive end? And Utah has proven that they are the only team in the NBA that ranks top five in both the offensive and the defense ratings. So for the Utah Jazz, shouts out to you guys. You guys are my first ever Western Conference Team of the Week. Now, to the Eastern Conference. Gotta give a shout out to Brooklyn. Yes, the Brooklyn Nets have been surging as of late, winning six games in a row, including tonight's game against the Los Angeles Clippers. And not only have they won six games in a row, they've played their last four games without their all-star, Kevin Durant. Now, of course I say their all-star, Kevin Durant, but they still have Kyrie Irving and James Harden. But the most impressive thing about what Brooklyn's done, especially in their last six games, is the fact that they've taken care of business on the road, starting at Sacramento, where they rang off a 20 to nothing run en route to their 136-125 win against those Kings. And they also, during this week, played at Phoenix, primetime against the Lakers on TNT, and then the aforementioned Clippers game tonight on ESPN. Now, we got to talk about some individual statistics and more importantly the individuals that have received my players of the week and we're gonna stick over there in Brooklyn because we got to talk about the beard James Harden my word my word what James Harden has done especially being traded from Houston to Brooklyn was it the best way and the best manner in which he got traded no but he wanted out if he didn't go the route that he did, would he have been in Brooklyn right now? Probably not. So, all that aside, we're not talking about what has happened back then with the whole Houston and Brooklyn thing. We're talking about what he's done with Brooklyn, especially this week. James Harden, here's some stats I want to throw out to you guys. And this is one of my more impressive things that James Harden has done during this run. This week, averaging just a shade under 32 points a game, nine rebounds, a little under 11 assists. But here's the ones that really pop out to me is the 55% shooting from the field. James Harden's not known for being an efficient scorer or an efficient shooter, yet James Harden has shown this stretch that he has been an efficient scorer while also distributing the ball. And not only that, he's shooting just a shade under 49% from the three, in a shade under 81% from the foul line. So the beard, shouts out to you, Eastern Conference Player of the Week in my book. And in the West, my Player of the Week has got to go to Damian Lillard. Don't worry. For those of you that are hearing that name, Damian Lillard, I'm sure there's that subject that you want me to talk about. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers went 3-1 and one this week. And what Damian Lillard has done, not only during this stretch, but throughout the entire year, has been nothing short of a potential MVP candidate. Here's what Damian Lillard's done. Just a little bit under 36. Let me say this again. Just a little bit under 36 points a game. Five rebounds. Over 12 assists a game. 
Now the field goal percentage may not be all that impressive, 44% from the field, that's whatever, but he shot 41% from three and 88% from the free throw line. And I've got to tell you guys, Damian Lillard right now may be playing the best basketball that anyone is playing right now outside of any big men named Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid. Damian Lillard has proven to be arguably in the top five point guard discussion throughout this entire year. Some may argue he may be the best point guard in the game. Not my opinion, but I'm just throwing that out there for those that are riding that train. Shouts out to you, Damian Lillard. You are my Western Conference Player of the Week. Now, on to this upcoming week. Now, I know some may be asking, well, of course, we can watch anything on TNT and ESPN and ABC on Saturdays. But I'm here to tell you the games I want to highlight this week are games that you can find if you have an NBA League Pass. So if you don't have the NBA League Pass, I guarantee you it is an amazing investment. Oh, by the way, Adam Silver in the NBA, if there are people that are subscribing to this right now and they hop on, and they get a league pass, I expect a royalty. Just th throw some money my way. If you don't mind, that'd be much appreciated. Thank you very much. Now, just a few games to highlight this week, and we'll be doing this in future podcasts, but this week, starting on Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, that's 9 Eastern Standard Time, those same Portland Trailblazers play at the Phoenix Suns. Now, why is that game important to me? Well, when you look at the Western Conference playoffs right now, you're looking at the number four and the number five seeded teams out west. With Phoenix at four and Portland not that far behind in fifth. And just to confirm via the notes, Phoenix right now is sitting at 19 and 10 and Portland sitting a game back at 18 and 11. So you want to talk about teams that could potentially make a run in the playoffs. Those are two teams that you can possibly look at with the Portland Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns. And we'll dig into some of those players later on as we get into our main juicy topic of the week. Moving on. On Wednesday, 5 p.m. Again, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The surging Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat, who's been on a streak themselves as of late, coming off a huge win against the Los Angeles Lakers. Toronto had a really, really rough start at the beginning of the year, and yet they find themselves just above 500. And again, we'll be digging into the standings in a little bit, but Toronto has found their groove as of late. That's a team that you may not want to play come playoff time. Will they win a title? Probably not. They may not have that same magic that they had a couple years ago with Kawhi Leonard, but that's a team that you want to avoid if you're one of the top-seeded teams out in the East. And for Miami, same thing, the defending Eastern Conference champions. Like many teams, they've been dealing with a lot of the health and safety protocols that have sidelined guys like Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero for extended period games of time. But yet, Bam Adebayo has helped kept the ship alive. And Miami is finding themselves inching and scratching and clawing their way back into the playoff picture. And finally, on Saturday, so something to look forward to to the weekend. On Saturday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Indiana Pacers play the number eight seed. <clears throat> Let me say it for the people in the back. The number eight seed out in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The number eight seed, correction, 
So at this point in time, they are the number seven seed. Check that out. The number seven seed, New York Knicks. Saturday, 5 p.m. Indiana City, number four in the Eastern Conference. And the Knicks have probably been the surprise team of the league. Finding themselves right now, if the playoffs were to start today, in the playoffs for the first time in almost nine seasons since the days of the Carmelo Anthony, Amari Stoudemire, and Tyson Chandler. Now, here's one of the juicy hot topics that a lot of people have been asking me. As you can see, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, I am repping my Dallas Mavericks sweatshirt. And as I mentioned, Demi Lillard has been a part of a discussion that a lot of people have asked me about as far as should Damian Lillard have been voted in as an all-star starter over Luka Doncic. Now, as a Mass fan, of course I'm going to say Luka absolutely deserve it. As a general fan, yes, Luka deserved to be a, a starter. Did Damian Lillard also deserve to be an all-star starter? Absolutely. But here's the unfortunate part about how the system works is that they value the fans' vote more than the coaches' votes and the players' votes. Because as they broke it down on a TNT episode this past week, is that Steph Curry was ranked number one across the board in fans' votes, players' votes, and the coaches' votes amongst backcourt players. Damian Lillard was ranked second amongst coaches and players' votes, but ranked third among fan votes. And you flip-flop with Luka. Luka was second in fan votes, third in coaches' votes, and third in players' votes. Now, that may be kind of a marginal gap because we didn't get real statistics. And I'm sure we can dig into that. If you guys do the research, I will as well. There may be a marginal gap as far as a player and the coaches' votes between Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic. But just to give you guys some stats to chew on, and you can make your arguments whether or not Luka deserved it or not. But let me just throw out some stats for Luka Doncic. This year, fifth in scoring at 29 a game, over eight and a half rebounds a game, ranked fourth in assist at just under nine and a half, shooting 47.5% from the field, a shade under 34% from three, and also a shade under 80% from the foul line. As for Damian Lillard, he's third in scoring at 30. Four rebounds, just under eight assists, which is ranked 10th in the league. Shooting under 45% from the field, 38% from three, and 93.5% from the foul line, which is top 10 in the NBA. Both stats, to me, they scream all-star starter. Now, Shaq, Kenny, and Charles Barkley have argued that Dame should have gotten the nod over Luka, not only because he's been viewed as the most feared player in basketball at this very moment, and the big caveat was the fact that Portland right now sits in the playoffs, whereas Dallas sits 10th out west. We can look at this both ways. Based off the record, Damian Lillard should be starting over Luka. If you look at it from a statistical standpoint, this is one of my favorite stats to look at, and you'll probably hear this in future arguments when it comes to player efficiency ratings. Player efficiency ratings, for some of you guys don't know, John Hollinger has created this formula 
that accumulates all these positive stats, points, rebounds, assists, shooting percentages, and all that. And it also takes into account negative impact, turnovers, all the stuff. And they base it through a per minute system. So you'll see a lot of wide player efficiency rating is such a critical argument because eight out of the last nine MVPs, eight out of the last nine, the last six, the leader in player efficiency rating has gone on to win the MVP. The only one in that gap was Steph Curry in the 2014-2015 season of Golden State. Had one of the best records. I think they had the best records. We'll check that out in a little bit. But you can make your case for both guys. And here's a positive, optimistic viewpoint for those of you that are thinking, wow, Damian Lillard got robbed. Here's some good news for you guys. Damian Lillard is still going to be in the All-Star game. There's still an outside chance that Damian Lillard is going to be starting in the All-Star game. Why do you ask that? Well, if you've seen the trend of the NBA and you've seen the trend of how things have been going, health and safety protocol will probably rear its ugly head in relation to the All-Star games to where guys will unfortunately be voted in by the coaches for the reserves. We'll get to that topic in a little bit, but unfortunately have to sit out because of health and safety protocols. Injuries also happen. Next thing you know, Damian may find himself, whether on Team LeBron or Team Durant, we'll find out. I'm really excited about what's going on with that. But here's, here's, here's a really fun trivia for you guys that I want you guys to listen to. Here's a side-by-side -side comparison to a previous All-Star year, and I want you guys to tell me what you guys think about this. Player A. Player A averaged 17.5 points a game, 9 rebounds. One and a half assist, a little under two blocks a game. That's player A. Player B, 21 and a half points a game, 11 and a half rebounds, almost three assists, and two and a half blocks. Player A, 17 and a half. Player B, 21 and a half points. Player A, team had an above 500 record. But player B was on a team that was number one out west at the time. Player A still got voted in as the all-star starter over player B. Some may be asking, who's player A and who's player B? Well, player A was Houston Rocket Center Yao Ming back in 2004. And Shaquille O'Neal was player B in his last year with the Lakers. Which, oh, by the way, that same year... Shaq won MVP of the All-Star Game. So this is something I want you guys to be optimistic when it comes to Damian Lillard because it's not, it doesn't happen every single year, but it happens more often recently where guys that don't start in the All-Star Game still end up playing quite a good amount of minutes and may find themselves winning the All-Star Game MVP. Russell Wellsbrook from a few years ago, Shaquille O'Neal was co-MVP back in 2009 alongside Kobe Bryant. So... Anyone that is rooting for Damian Lillard and will riot till the day they die saying Damian Lillard should have been named an all-star starter over Luka Doncic. Have some sense of optimism. But not only that, if you look at Hall of Fame resumes, never have they ever mentioned the fact 
that, oh, this guy was a 17-time All-Star starter. Oh, he didn't start one year, but he was an All-Star. And that's the craziest and coolest thing about the NBA, is that there's so many guys that deserve spots, whether as a starter, as a reserve, but they're all still listed as All-Stars. Speaking of All-Stars, this upcoming Thursday will be revealed as the reserves will be announced. Team LeBron, Team Durant will be head coached by Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz, Doc Rivers of the Philadelphia 76ers. It's weird not saying the Los Angeles Clippers or even the Boston Celtics from a while back. But Quinn Snyder, Doc Rivers. And this is going to be another hot topic debate. So what I want you guys to do after you're done watching this video or while you're watching this video Hit that comment section down below. Give us your thoughts and predictions as far as who will be named All-Star Reserves. So, let's take a look out west. Now, a couple guys that I want to give some honorable mentions to. And again, I'm just looking at the notes because I listed several people that deserve to get All-Star votes. That I have this gut feeling that coaches, executives... Anyone that's in charge of voting for the reserves, I'll probably give a nod to based on two principles. Number one, their marketability in an all-star game. Very rarely will they give guys that don't bring excitement to an all-star game be voted in as a reserve, even though they should get the recognition. And I have some of those guys on my list because you want to know why? That's who I think. Again, my opinion, it's only a guess, it's only a prediction. We'll see what happens. So, let me get on to some of my honorable mentions. I gotta give a shout out to Christian Wood. Christian Wood of the Houston Rockets was having a career year, was going to be an all-star, at least in my opinion, until he got hurt. We'll probably sideline him for a good portion of time. Anthony Davis, the same thing. Anthony Davis more than likely would have been voted in as a reserve, but with his Achilles injury, it's more than likely going to be held out beyond the All-Star break. For my Sacramento Kings fans, I'm sorry to say this, but De'Aaron Fox, despite the fact of him having a good year for the Sacramento Kings, who still find themselves within grasp of that 10 seed for the play-in, unfortunately, De'Aaron Fox did not make my list. And Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray recently just had a 50-point game against Cavaliers. And here's one of the craziest stats about that 50-point game from Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray scored 50 points without going to the free throw line. That's the first time in league history that somebody scored 50 points and yet didn't make a trip to the charity stripe. So, shouts out to those guys. But I have to give you guys my list and the reasons why I think these group, this group of seven players will find themselves on the all-star team. Now, generally speaking, when it comes to voting for the all-star reserves, the format is two guards, so two backcourt players, three frontcourt players, two wildcards. So that could be either a guard or a forward or a big man. Now, let me also mention one more. This might be this might be a controversial one for anyone else that's listening because, yes, I value winning as being a moniker for being named an all-star. But this guy, despite the fact that he is sitting on a team with the best record in the league, 
Rudy Gobert did not make my list as well. Now, he may find himself with a different kind of hardware at the end of the year being named Defensive Player of the Year, but as far as the All-Star nod, he may have to be called in as a reserve if someone else falls out of the All-Star game due to injuries or health and safety protocols. So, out west, the aforementioned Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard put up ridiculous numbers. And again, I alluded to you guys earlier about the player efficiency rating. At this current moment in time, 38 players, 38 players out of the entire NBA has a player efficiency rating at 20 or more. That's a ridiculously good number. To put that into perspective, ever since the ABA-NBA merging, even beyond looking back at the early 1960s, there have only been 26 instances where a player has had a player efficiency rating of 30 or more. We have two of those guys currently in the league right now that have a player efficiency rating of 30 and above right now. Joel Embiid sitting at 31.8, followed by Nikola Jokic sitting at 31. Both of those guys have been named All-Stars. As for the top 10, Eight of the ten guys are listed as all-star starters. Take that back. Seven out of the ten guys, sorry, let me look back at my notes. Seven out of the ten guys have been listed as an all-star starter. One of which is Robert Williams of the Boston Celtics, which may be the most surprising and the one that doesn't fit at all on this list, but he finds himself at number eight at 25.7. But one of those guys who ranks fifth in player efficiency rating is Damian Lillard sitting at 27.1. That's a ridiculously good number. And like I alluded to earlier, eight out of the last nine MVPs of the league were number one in player efficiency rating. So Damian Lillard. Here's my second pick, Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz. And I've alluded to you earlier, Utah has the best record in the league. Donovan Mitchell's the best player on the Utah Jazz. In case you guys want to hear the stats, averaging a little over 24.5 points a game, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, his field goal percentage not that impressive, shooting about 43% from the field, 39% from 3, 83% from the foul line. But the only caveat that some people may look at and be like, well, if you're talking so highly about player efficiency rating, Donovan Mitchell is one of only two guys on my list that have a player efficiency rating below 20 sitting at 19.5 now the beauty about basketball and the beauty about the NBA season is that by the end of the year Donovan Mitchell may find himself with a player efficiency rating above 20 so there's a sense of optimism but again Utah best team in the league Donovan Mitchell the best player on the best team in the league Donovan Mitchell absolutely gets a nod Chris Paul what a marvel Chris Paul has been Chris Paul, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, even though Chris Paul was two draft classes later from those guys, Chris Paul continues to be a marvel and still proves why he is one of the top point guards, not only in the game today, but one of the best point guards of all time. His stats may not wow you while shooting close to a 50-40-90. Now, here's the crazy part about the 50-40-90. There are a few guys right now 
whether they're all-stars or not, that find themselves potentially joining this 50-40-90 club, which has only been achieved by Larry Bird numerous times, Steve Nash numerous times, Mark Price, Reggie Miller, Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, and as of recently, Malcolm Brogdon. And just to give a shout out to my ladies in the WNBA, there's only one WNBA player that has achieved that 50-40-90, and that is Elena Della Dawn. But here are Chris Paul's stats right now. As far as the shooting, along with the fact that he's sixth in the league at eight and a half assists, Chris Paul shooting just a shade under 50% from the field, a shade under 40% from three, and he is number one in the league at 97% from the free throw line. And I've alluded to you guys about the player efficiency rating. Chris Paul's a 21.1 player efficiency rating. And you obviously see the change in culture that Chris Paul's provided with the Phoenix Suns. Yes, the Phoenix Suns had an amazing bubble run going 8-0. Devin Booker was playing out of his mind. If it wasn't for Damian Lillard also playing out of his mind, we might be talking about Devin Booker as being a bubble MVP. Whether you guys think that a bubble MVP is still a major achievement or not, Devin Booker was playing out of his mind, but Phoenix still didn't make the playoffs. But now that they have Chris Paul alongside Jay Crowder, now you see the effects that what Chris Paul was doing, not only in OKC, but even in Houston, where they almost had a chance to go to the finals. You see what Chris Paul's able to do. That, to me, translates to being an all-star. Speaking of the Suns, his teammate, Devin Booker. Devin Booker, 24 points a game, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. No, I'm just giving you all the button-up parts. Just giving you all the stats. 49% from the field, 37% from the three. 84% from the foul line. And like I mentioned earlier with Donovan Mitchell, one of my only guys on my list that does not have a player efficiency rating over 20. His is at a kind of a lowly 17.5 player efficiency rating. Yet, we can all argue that Devin Booker is one of the best young stars that we have in the game this today. Ridiculously great shooter. It's surprising to see the fact that Devin Booker, as great of a shooter as he is, shoot below 40% from three. Devin Booker has yet to have a season in the NBA where he shot at a 40% or above clip from the three-point line. But you can't argue the fact that Devin Booker has been one of the best guards out west. Now we get to move to the front court, and this is one of those controversial ones. Like I mentioned to you guys before, Rudy Gobert... And any other year would more than likely make the all-star team as a reserve. However, there are three guys that I feel that the league, the coaches, will be looking at and will make that nod for those guys over Rudy Gobert. Zion Williamson. Oh, he's a Duke guy, Joey. Of course you'd pick Zion. But here's why I think Zion Williamson will definitely get the nod as a front court player for the West or for Team LeBron or Team Durant. I keep forgetting it's not the West versus the East. It's Team LeBron versus Durant. But here's Zion stats. 25 points a game, 7 rebounds. Ah, could be better. 3 assists, but he's 5th in the league in field goal percentage at just under 62%. 35% from 3, 71% from the free throw line. But Zion Williamson, as I mentioned before with a player efficiency rating, Zion Williamson sits number seven 
right behind Luka Doncic, had a player efficiency rating of 26.7. That is a ridiculously good stat, and that tells you how crazy, ridiculously efficient Zion Williamson has been for the Pelicans. Despite the fact that their record does not indicate that they're going to be making any moves out west as far as making a playoff run, especially with all the other teams that are making their runs, Zion Williamson has been a marvel to watch. But a team that is in the playoffs, Paul George of the LA Clippers. He's another one of those guys that finds himself potentially joining that 50-40-90 club by the end of this season. Paul George's stats right now, 24 points a game, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, shooting 51% from the field, ranks 5th in the NBA at 47% from behind the line and 89.5% from the free throw line. A little earlier this year, he was achieving over 90% from the free throw line. I can definitely see him by the end of this season potentially joining that 50-40-90 club. His player efficiency rating, 23.7, nothing to scoff at. And the last one, DeMar DeRozan of the San Antonio Spurs. People have been riding this coattail for the longest period of time, mentioning the fact that the Spurs will no longer be any sort of relevance without Tim Duncan, without Monta Ginobili, without Tony Parker, and their incredible run that they had from the last couple decades. Yet, San Antonio, at this moment in time, sits sixth out west. Sixth in the Western Conference at 16-11, and 11, and DeMar DeRozan has been the consummate professional for the San Antonio Spurs. DeMar DeRozan scoring a little under 20 a game, five rebounds, seven assists, shooting a bit under 49% from the field, 33% from the three, but is shooting 89.3% from the foul line and has a player efficiency rating of 21.8. And I keep mentioning this to you, especially out west. Out west, you have teams that are laden with superstars. Western Conference has always had this moniker of being the better conference of the two, and it still rings true to this day because of the balance and the parity amongst the West's best. And San Antonio finds themselves right now at the number six spot out West, and they're only a game behind Portland. They're only a game behind Portland. Portland sitting at 18 and 11, San Antonio at 16 and 11. San Antonio especially considering Greg Popovich's pedigree and his track record. Don't be surprised to see San Antonio in the playoffs, and don't be surprised to see San Antonio, regardless of who they play in the first round, make a run, and DeMar DeRozan will be the one that spearheads it. So DeMar DeRozan, to me, closes out that group of reserves from out west. That includes Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Zion Williamson, and Paul George. Now, here's my argument. The Easter Conference is a lot tougher to name. The Easter Conference is going to be a lot harder for them to try to pick seven players out East to fill the reserve spots for Team Durant or Team LeBron. And I'm at the list several honorable mentions. Here we go. In the backcourt, the backcourt alone consists of Colin Sexton, Malcolm Brogdon, Ben Simmons, Russell Westbrook, 
Jimmy Butler, and I can't believe I am saying this right now, but LaMelo Ball has made a case for potentially being an all-star this year in his rookie year for the Charlotte Hornets, along with Terry Rozier. However, those guys, to me, it's tough. It's really tough to pick, and it doesn't get any easier when I look at the front court. Because if you look at the front court, a couple guys to list off. Jeremy Grant, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I said it. Jason Tatum may get a nod based off name value alone, but to me, I don't feel like Jason Tatum gets a nod over a particular teammate on his squad. Tobias Harris, Gordon Hayward, and Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat. Wow, when you look at all of these names that I just listed on both sides, any other year you could easily make a really really good all-star team based off the guys that are more than likely going to be snubbed. It's absolutely insane. But let's go into the guys that I did list. We're going to start off in the backcourt for the East. Zach Levine is doing work out in Chicago. And it, it's crazy to say that, yes, Zach Levine's doing work out in Chicago. And Chicago is still finding themselves near the bottom of the barrel out in the Eastern Conference. But Zach Levine... Just a bit under 29 points. That's sixth in the league. Five rebounds, five assists. And oh, by the way, he's shooting a bit under 52% from the field, 43% from three, 86% from the free throw line with the player efficiency rating of 23. We'll probably dig into his name a little bit later. Maybe not this episode, but we'll probably talk about could Zach Levine possibly be traded? We'll see. But... Also in the backcourt from the East, like I mentioned, my very first player of the week out in the Easter Conference, the Beard, James Harden. Here are his stats so far this year. Averaging 25 points, which for any James Harden season over the last four years, it's definitely a down year as far as scoring. But when you take a look at the fact that he is averaging seven rebounds, first in the league in assists at over 11 shooting 48% from the field, excuse me, 39% from three, 88% from the foul line, and his player efficiency rating of 24.7. James Harden still proves that he is one of the most elite offensive players of this generation, despite the fact that he's playing alongside two other generational talents on the offensive end, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. James Harden has proven that he can adapt to playing in a system Pretty similar to what it was in his early OKC days alongside Durant and Westbrook. James Harden gets a nod for me in the backcourt. And of course, his name value alone. Don't be surprised if you see James Harden win All-Star Game MVP this year. As I mentioned, Jason Tatum, more than likely not going to make the All-Star team. But his Boston Celtics teammate, Jalen Brown, I feel should get the nod. And here's why. Jalen Brown, 25.5 points a game, 5 rebounds, 4 assists shooting 50% from the field, 41% from the three-point line. His free throw percentage doesn't match up, shooting at just about 77% from the foul line. His player efficiency rating of 21.7. But when you look at Boston, and especially the steps that they are making to potentially become a title contender, Jalen Brown has stepped up 
And even in the absence of Jason Tatum throughout this entire year, Jalen Brown has stepped up and has become that quintessential number two. You could argue at times he's been the number one. But Jalen Brown, to me, gets a nod. Now, here's where things get a little juicy here. In the front court, Demonis Sabonis of the Indiana Pacers. Demonis Sabonis, right now, as we currently sit, is second in the NBA in double-doubles, only behind Nikola Jokic. Indiana sits number four in the East, as I mentioned earlier, and that's all because of what Demonis Sabonis has been doing. Averaging about 20 and a half, 21 and a half points a game, 11 and a half rebounds, just a shade under six assists, shooting 53% from the field, 36% from three, 71% from the free throw line, but his player efficiency rating at about 21. Demon Sabonis has had one of those games where he can quietly get you 20 and 10 on any given night. And if some of you guys don't know about his father, Arvita Sabonis, who was one of the better, more talented big men who came to the NBA well beyond his prime. His son, Demon Sabonis, is, is doing some things and reminds me a little bit of his dad. But what Demon Sabonis has been doing, incredible stuff. Speaking of big men, Nikola Vucevic of the Orlando Magic. If you've seen some of his games, including tonight, he had a 32-16 and 16 game. Nothing to scoff at. And here's here's the stats so far this year. 24 a game. A little over 11.7 rebounds a game. Shooting 48% from the field. And this is one of the biggest aspects of his game that he's improved, especially over the last few years. Shooting 40.5% from the three-point line. Shooting just under 83% from the free throw line. With a player efficiency rating of PER of 24.2. Pretty incredible stuff, if you ask me. And even though Orlando, especially in the last couple of years, have found themselves lingering around that 7 or 8 seed out in the East, don't be surprised if you see Orlando by the end of the season being back in that same position, thanks in large part to Nikola Vucevic. Did I mention that the New York Knicks are sitting 7th in the East? Well, you want to know why they're sitting 7th in the East and because they have an all-star named Julius Randle. Julius Randle has turned back to what Julius Randle was doing for a brief bit in New Orleans. Julius Randle right now is averaging 23 points a game, 11 rebounds, 5.5 assists, shooting 48% from the field, 41% from three, 80.5% from the free throw line with a PER of 20.7. Julius Randle, now, whether or not he stays a Nick, for the rest of the season, who knows? But what Julius Randle has done this year has proven that he still can be a valuable contributor to a contending team. Whether or not it happens this year, whether it happens a free agency within the next couple seasons, who knows? But Julius Randle has been doing work. And I was tossing and turning as far as who I wanted to vote for that last spot in the East. It was looking at Chris Middleton. As I mentioned before in previous in the previous section where I was talking about my honorable mentions, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Jeremy Grant, Gordon Hayward, any of those three guys from Charlotte, including LaMelo and Terry Rozier, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. When you talk about the future of the All-Star game, it's got to be Ice Trey. Ice Trey, Trey Young 
from the Atlanta Hawks will more than likely get that nod, especially with the stuff that he's been doing this year. Top 10 in the league in scoring, 27 a game, four rebounds, top five in assists at nine and a half, 44% from the field, 38% from three, and shooting at 88% from the foul line with a player efficiency rating of 24. Trey Young has proven to be not an afterthought in that trade on draft night from two, three years back. Wow, that seems crazy to say. Three years back between Atlanta and Dallas where Luka and Trey swapped places. Trey Young has proven to possibly be the second best player to come out of that draft. We'll get to that draft class in a future episode because that draft class has proven to be a pretty special and pretty talented class in the coming years. So, there you have it, folks. Those are my all-star reserves out east. Zach Levine, James Harden, Jalen Brown, Trey Young, Demonis Sabonis, Nikola Vucevic, and Julius Randle. Again, if you think you can make a better reserve prediction than me, not a problem. Just leave it down there in the comment section down below, and we'll get right to it. Once Thursday comes around, we'll see what happens. So, here was one of the topic questions from one of my friends that I wanted to dive into a little bit. As far as Bradley Beal and what his future may look like in Washington. And a couple teams that he mentioned, one of them I'm going to highlight today is the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets has been rumored and speculated as far as potentially being suitors to get Bradley Beal to join Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray in Denver. Now, of course, one of the bigger pieces that would have to be going back and return to Washington would be Michael Porter Jr., who was shown flashes of possibly being that number three guy. But one of the criticisms of Michael Porter, especially that was witnessed during the playoff in the bubble, was his deficiency on the defensive end. One thing that I will highlight that, that gives Michael Porter Jr. a pass is the fact that he's still almost an entire season in after having major back surgery. Now, for anyone that knows how important your core is as an athlete, for the fact that Michael Porter Jr. has worked his way back to be a very effective basketball player and could arguably be one of the best scorers in the league at his age, who, oh, by the way, in case you guys forgot, Michael Porter Jr. was also part of that draft class that included Luka and Trey. So, that's going to have to be one of those pieces that goes back. Now, who are some potential other guys that you can add to that list along with some draft picks? Gary Harris is on his... Excuse me. Gary Harris is on an expiring contract. Gary Harris could make a splash in Washington as part of that rebuild mode for Washington as well. Another guy you could possibly throw in there, maybe Will Barton. Another guy you may want to consider... Bulbul. So, could Bradley Beal make a move to Denver? Sure. What's Washington's asking price? Probably a lot. So, something to think about. We'll talk a little bit more about potential trade assets. We'll talk about potential trades that are going to happen with guys like Andre Drummond, as I mentioned before, Zach Levine, Blake Griffin, among others. So, that is it for today's episode. I really want to give you guys so much love 
and a huge thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting me, encouraging me for making this happen. I can't wait for the journey ahead. I can't wait for future episodes. Can't wait to get guests on this show. Get to have some exciting things going on here. I can't wait for it. So again, I want to thank you guys again so much. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, please, please, please hit that like button. Share, subscribe. If you're listening to and trying to find it via audio, hit me up on Red Circle. That is redcircle.com forward slash nothing but backboard. And you can also be able to find it Spotify again in the description down below. Along with that, you'll have my social media links. If you have any questions that you want me to answer, please feel free to leave a comment. Please feel free to message me down there. I will try my best to get those in the next episode or any potential future episodes after that. But again, thank you guys so much. I'm signing off here. I'll see you guys next week. Peace.